Welcome to the Sharing Life Ministries Sermon of the Week. We hope that you were blessed by this message from Pastor Lawrence Romali. Good morning. Today, as we continue to prepare for Christmas, go through Advent and prepare ourselves for the birth of Jesus, I want to take some time today and look at the prophecies regarding Jesus. A prophecy is a declaration of an event of God that is to come. It's made by a prophet. In Old Testament times, God primarily spoke through prophets. The prophecies that we will be looking at today are some of the ones that laid out God's perfect plan to redeem his creation. It didn't just happen. No, it was all planned out since the beginning of time. It is all right here in his word, and it's amazing. Sometimes people like to dismiss the Bible, that it is just a bunch of stories made up by men, fallible, imperfect men. Well, the men who were given the task of writing the words down may indeed have been imperfect, but the God who gave them the words the God who enabled them to accurately write down what he told them, was and is perfectly perfect. In our Bible, we find books written by prophets. We have the major prophets, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. The major prophets are not more important than the minor prophets, but their prophecies are longer. They're more um, encompassing of more events in a greater period of time. It is interesting that the prophets are the least read books in the Bible. There is much interest in prophecy, but prophecy typically take work to understand. Prophecy of Christ's birth is found in Isaiah and Micah. Isaiah also speaks of Christ's atoning sacrifice. We read of Christ's return in Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah. We read of God's holiness, wrath, grace, and mercy in the writings of both the major and minor prophets. There is much to learn in them. The prophecy that we are looking at today is what we call messianic prophecy, prophecy that specifically speaks of the coming Messiah, the Savior, where he will come from, how it will happen, what he will do. Sometimes prophecies of his first coming as a baby are mixed with his second coming as victorious king and judge. It takes work and study to discern them. Over times, hundreds, even thousands of years, various details of his coming to earth were foretold by God through his prophets. These prophecies spoke of his life, the miracles he would perform, his mission. The prophecies speak of the rejection he would experience, 
from those he came to save, of his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. Some of the prophecies are very small, minute details. Other are big, major events. Regardless, Jesus fulfilled every one, over 300 of them. And we have the advantage of seeing them from this side of history, after they have occurred. Looking back at what has happened, rather than forward at what is to come. It is so much easier to interpret prophecy after it has occurred. For example, we are not sitting around debating and writing books about what Isaiah prophesied that has happened. But look at the discussion, the interest, the preoccupation we are having about end times prophecies that have not yet occurred. Passages that speak of Jesus' second coming. It is so much easier to look back at what has been fulfilled than to look forward. But if we know those scriptures, if we've studied them, then as they begin to be fulfilled, we are ready. We are not deceived. We are not caught by surprise. And we do not miss out on what happens, as some missed out when Jesus was born. Praise God that we have Holy Spirit to make things clear for us, for it is only through the Spirit that we can understand. God provides clarity as we need it. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, we read this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot, cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Before Pentecost, God only spoke to his people through prophets. Typically, there was one at a time. At Pentecost, all believers receive God's Spirit, and now all who are born again are able to understand his word and hear his voice. Much like a priest ministers to God on behalf of the people, the prophet ministers to the people or spoke to the people on behalf of God. Hear that. Priest ministers minister to God on behalf of the people. The priest ministers to God on behalf of the people. But the prophet the prophet ministers to the people on behalf of God. Prophecy is defined as foretelling or forthtelling. To foretell is to speak what will happen or must happen. It usually includes warnings and promises from God. But forthtelling is to speak out and to proclaim, to explain to illuminate a message, to teach. God's prophets did both, and they were very important, for it was through them that we have much of our Bible, and through these prophets that we can know what God is doing and what he is going to do. All that has been prophesied has not yet happened. We need to be ready. We need to be aware. The prophet Isaiah he lived more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus. 
And in Isaiah chapter 48, verses 3 to 5, we read this. And this is God speaking through Isaiah. I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them, and I made them known. Then suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. For I knew knew how stubborn you were. Your neck muscles were iron, your forehead was bronze. Therefore I told you these things long ago. Before they happened, I announced them to you, so that you could not say, My images brought them about. My wooden image and my metal god ordained them. God is saying here that he announced what he would do long ago so that man could not take credit for it. And then in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, we read this. Surely the sovereign God does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. God does not leave us unaware. He makes his plans known through his prophets, giving instruction speaking the future, speaking promises and warnings. Sometimes these instructions, the warnings, they were very clear, and sometimes they were not. I believe that oftentimes prophetic scripture is given to keep our attention, to give us hope, as though God is saying, here are the clues, here are the signs, keep watch, remain hopeful, We know or knew that Messiah was coming because God said he was. We know that he's coming back because God says that he is. God is our good and perfect father. He does not want us to be unaware of what he is doing or what he plans on doing. And so in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we read this. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah tells us that Messiah would come as a child, a son given to the people. He says the government will be on his shoulders. He would rule. We can see from here the fulfilled side of prophecy, that this obviously didn't mean an end to earthly oppressive Roman rule, but that instead Jesus would reinstate his kingdom here on earth. Yet even now we misunderstand. His kingdom is here? Really? Yes, his kingdom is here. It is, in part, but not yet fully. So many are disillusioned because it doesn't like we look like we think it should. His kingdom is here through his church. We need to look for the spirit for understanding and not to ourselves. And then Isaiah says, and he will be called, meaning his mission, titles, correspond to the work that the Messiah would do. Wonderful Counselor explaining, revealing, making known God's plan of salvation, sending a spirit to live in each one of us. Mighty God, doing for each one of us what we could not do for ourselves, salvation from sin 
and freedom from the penalty of death. Everlasting Father, he restores the relationship with God that was destroyed through disobedience in the garden, restoring our place as heirs of the kingdom, establishing his identity, his oneness with God the Father. And Prince of Peace, he puts peace in the hearts of those who belong to him. No more fear of God's wrath and no more fear of death. He will one day bring peace over all the earth. How much easier it is to look back at prophecy than to look forward at it. But looking back gives us confidence as we look forward. And looking back at the prophecy that told or foretold of the coming Messiah gives us confidence and reassurance that he indeed will come again. We don't need to know when, we just need to trust that he is indeed coming. God used multiple people over thousands of years, writing in different styles and languages, to give us a message that is so perfect it is inconceivable. God gave us a perfectly written picture of who he is, who we were created to be, how we messed that up, and how he planned since before the beginning of time to restore us and his creation. It is his story. His story. History. The Bible is a book of promises, God's promises, and he keeps each and every one of them perfectly. And his story is amazingly detailed, so detailed that it is beyond probable. And yet it can be missed, overlooked, explained away if that's your heart's desire. When you look with eyes of faith, it is clear. But for those who look through their flesh, for those whose thoughts are focused on their desires and their ways, it seems vague, contradictory, confusing, and far-fetched. Prophecies are discerned or un understood only through the Spirit. Prophecy was one of the ways, along with creation, that God made himself known. But now, today, in our time, God reveals himself to us through Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus. For thousands of years, the scriptures have pointed to Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior. We no longer need to look and wait for him. No, he has come and fulfilled the prophecies, every one of them. Now we get to know him and not just know about him. Many people have attempted to compile lists regarding all the prophecies that applied to Jesus' first coming. The list contains well over 300 Old Testament prophecies that relate to Jesus' family wet line, as well as his birth, life, death, and resurrection. All 
have been fulfilled by Jesus. Statistically, that is basically impossible. And there are many more that have not yet been fulfilled because they speak of Jesus' second coming. So there is more to come, much more. This book, our Bible, is all about Jesus. And yet, there are no prophecies that Jesus got wrong. None. None. Nine out of ten wouldn't be good enough. Ninety-nine out of a hundred wouldn't be good enough. No. So all those imperfect men just happened to write down all of these prophecies perfectly. How did that happen? It happened because God planned it all out and told us what he was going to do, so that when we saw it, we would know that it was him. So as I see it, it takes more faith to deny that Jesus is the Messiah than it does to believe that he is. Think of it this way. If my parents had told you back when they first got married that they were going to have a son, that he would be born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, grow up on a farm, that they would name him Lawrence, that he would be tall, have brown eyes, and have a strange sense of humor, it's not a big deal. This is who they were. It fit into their plans and their dreams. But if I told you that I found some letters that were sent to my great-grandfather Webster Romali, who lived in the 1800s, and the letters were written by people who he didn't even know, and they wrote to tell him that God had given them dreams and visions of a great-grandson named Lawrence, who would be born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, in the United States of America, and that Dwight Eisenhower would be president, and in their letters they would describe visions of electricity, television, telephones, automobiles, and airplanes. The descriptions would sound odd because they had no way or words to describe them. They would describe this coming great-grandson as being tall, having brown eyes, and a strange sense of humor, that he would get saved through the Holy Spirit, experience God's presence for the first time at a Billy Graham crusade at the Meadowlands in New Jersey, that he would move from rural New Jersey to urban Newark, take seminary classes, get ordained, and preach at a church on the third floor of a building located at Sussex Avenue and First Street in Newark, New Jersey, and eventually end up at a small church in Ridgely, West Virginia. You would be like, wow, how could those people possibly know those things and over 200 years before they happened, and before some of those people and places even existed? Ridgely wasn't Ridgely until 1914. It was St. Clairsville. That would be amazing. The prophecies about Jesus are from 250 to several thousand years before his birth. Over 300 prophecies about his birth, life, and death 
and every one correct. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 10 says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Each and every promise that God makes to us is kept through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God is God. He does what he pleases to do. He makes known to us what is to come. We are to prepare. So let me give you a quick overview of some of the many prophecies about Jesus. It begins in the beginning, Genesis chapter 2 and 3. We looked at it last week. And then the scriptures continue painting a picture of the coming Savior, reminding God's people that he didn't forget, that his plan was still unfolding, waiting for the fullness of time. Scripture tells us that the Messiah would be a descendant of Abraham. Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And the scriptures tell us that the Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac, who had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And that the Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob, who had 12 sons, each became a tribe of Israel. And that the Messiah would be a descendant of Judah, one of the 12 sons. And that the tribe of, and of the tribe of Judah and that out of the tribe of Judah, that he would be from the family line of Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. God chose David. David became Israel's greatest king, and yet the Messiah would be greater than David. God told David that David's line would rule forever. Scripture says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, a small, insignificant city, that the Messiah would be brought up out of Egypt, that he would be called a Nazarene, and that his ministry would begin in Galilee. God used secular, ungodly, pagan rulers to see that that took place. That the Roman government called for a census so that Joseph would have to tra travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that the evil King Herod would threaten the child and so they would have to flee to Egypt until they were called out. Scripture tells us that the Messiah would be called God's son, that he would be a prophet, priest, judge, and a king, 
that he would be a willing sacrifice, a righteous sufferer, that he would perform miracle signs and healings, and that he would teach through parables, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Prophecy tells us that the Messiah would be mute or quiet before his accusers, that he would be mocked and spit upon, that he would be crucified with thieves, that he would be wounded and bruised, his hands and feet pierced, that his disciples would abandon him and his friends would stand off, far off, afraid that they would scatter. Scripture tells us that the Messiah's bones would not be broken, but his heart was. That he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. That he would atone for our sins and break the curse. And that by his stripes, he would heal us. The prophets tell us that he would be resurrected, ascend to heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is coming back again to gather his bride and fully restore his kingdom and reign over it forever. This is Jesus, the one that all heaven and earth declares is the Messiah, God's anointed one, the promised one, our Lord, our Savior. The one that scripture pointed to so that we would recognize him and know him our Lord, our King, Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that through your prophets, you made the Messiah known. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder what you're doing. You made it clear, clear. So we thank you. Father God, let your spirit be loud and clear in each one of us that as we read through your word, we would understand and be able to discern what you're telling us. And Father God, we thank you for the gift that is Jesus. We thank you that he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We thank you. We bless you. We rejoice. We rejoice that you knew long ago each of our names, how we would fall short, and you made a way for us to come into relationship with you. You made a way for us to be forgiven, to be restored. And you drew us, even in our rebellion, even while we were your enemies, you drew us to yourself. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Thank you for listening. Sharing Life Ministries is located at the Life Center, 
48 West 2nd Avenue, Ridgely, West Virginia, or follow us on Facebook.